Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Thirsty Thursday live stream from 7 until 9 weekly. Here's your host, Tim Hill. Boom. I'm in the room. <laughs> nearly got it wrong. Very nearly got it wrong again. Good evening, everybody. Have you ever considered what it would be like to be an archaeologist full time and what their job involves? Tonight, if you stick around, you'll find out. So, without too much further ado, going to bring on my first guest. My first guest, she is uh, primarily a marine archaeologist. And that was a struggle. <laughs> so, Lo, welcome to the show. <laughs> Let's give her a cheer. Let's get her in there. How are you doing? Can you hear me? I'm hoping so. Hello. Good oh. evening. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're most welcome. For a minute, I thought, oh, I'm just checking. My mic is on. <laughs> you may have noticed that in weeks gone by. I can hear, dog. yeah. I haven't got great Wi-Fi, so I'm a bit in and out, but I'm okay for now, I think. Okay. Well, Lo, um, we met a little while ago at um, uh, in Portsmouth, and your primary role is uh, marine archaeology. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, no. <laughs> dodgy Wi-Fi. Definitely dodgy Wi-Fi. Okay, right. What we'll do, um, we'll bring in Sam and uh, see if Lowe can get her Wi-Fi sorted out. So, Sam, come and join me. You can tell it's live because we have dramas already. Thank you for the applause. That's uh, very exciting. You're welcome. So, Sam, you're slightly different from, from the normal run-of-the-mill archaeologist. You've got a specialist role, haven't you? Yeah, um, I, I can't confess to being an archaeologist at all. Uh, I, I know nothing about it. Uh, but I, I think I work with the best archaeologists in the world. So what do I need to know? Um, <laughs> so... I work, uh, we work for Wessex Archaeology, which is uh, an unusual beast of a company in that, um, happily, we don't have shareholders. Uh, there's no fat cats at the top. Um, we're not a shareholder organisation. So uh, uh, we don't make profits officially. We operate uh, under the educational charity remit, which means that any surplus we generate from our uh, commercial activity uh, supports our charitable objectives, which are about enhancing people's knowledge um, and understanding of the world and culture and heritage and enhancing people's well-being using archaeology. So my job and my team's job is to take archaeology and make people have fun and feel better, which I think is great. Brilliant. That's what we do. How do you go about doing that? 
Well, uh, yeah, that is a, a good question. So we do it in a variety of ways. We have a, um, a schools program. So we have a formal program and an informal program. So we, we formally work with schools and community groups and we react to the needs of people like this event who wants us to come and talk about archaeology or other things or the world through the lens of archaeology. And we also run specific projects where we work with specific groups of people. So just this week, actually, we were running a project in Wiltshire uh, called The Ripple Effect, where we're working with people who have gone through some sort of trauma. And we work with them and we use archaeology and ecology to help them explore the world, to get people together for a nice chat and a nice cup of tea. And we use that as our starting point for starting to feel better. Brilliant. So... From your point of view, you you actually sort of run the events. You you get archaeologists to, to, to I guess how you, you must cajole them and, and and nudge them along the way to to get them to come out to to help you promote Westgate's archaeology primarily, but archaeology in a wider sense. Yeah, um, I think it's really easy to focus almost too much on, uh, we would call it material fabric, um, but that is the stuff of archaeology. You know, when people think of archaeology, they think of hand axes and swords and skeletons and that kind of thing. And, it, and for some people, that, that's really interesting. But for most of us, there, there's, it's part of a much wider picture of people in the past. And it, it's kind of hard to make something that existed so long ago, tangible. And it isn't just, you know, the stuff. Um, we have an entire team of people who look at the ecology of the environment from the past. So we're not just digging up, you know, swords and spears and whatever. Mm -hmm. We're digging up seeds and beetles. And these things actually, you put it all together. And what you build up is a picture of people who lived thousands of years ago. And what we learn is that actually these people, they weren't that dissimilar to us. You know, they ate, they drank that they made a home for themselves, uh, that they lived and died and had children and did all the basic stuff that we do today. And so it's really important that we zoom out from the stuff and remember that this stuff is the remnants of our ancestors. Hmm. Brilliant. So, I mean, that, that's in itself is, is fascinating. That's just, I mean, just a fascinating aspect to, to archaeology. I mean, it's something that, most people just kind of don't think about. Mm. So yeah, I'd agree. So how do you go about helping people that have? Um, you mentioned people that have um, mental health issues and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you get them involved with with oh. digs and stuff like that, or is it, it you're just going out to to events to to show what you do? So we do, we create opportunities. So as a commercial company, uh, we have legal responsibilities to make sure that commercial archaeology is undertaken by professional archaeologists. And we have a duty to all our professional archaeologists to make sure that we provide opportunities for employment. So when we bring volunteers in to work uh, alongside our team of professionals, the focus is very much on well-being, uh, skill sharing and enhancing people's quality of life, really. So the lovely thing about traditional field archaeology is it, it's outside and it's great to be outside. That's good for your mental health. So we and, you know, your work is part of a team. So we do various projects where we bring people out and they can 
you know, take part in a specific project that through archaeology, working with professionals, it provides an opportunity to be outside, be out of a tight, out, be part of a team and hopefully start to feel a bit better. But equally, mm. we can use the world around us. Um, and today, the project that's going on this week is a really good example of how we're using a local landscape to bring people together. And with a team of archaeologists and ecologists, we can explore that landscape and as the start of a conversation. So people can not be isolated. They can get together in a group. They can take part in an experience together. And again, that sort of camaraderie and being outside is a huge part of what we can facilitate to make people have a good time. Fantastic. So, I mean, that's what I guess it's all about is, um, is involvement. And the more people that can get involved with it, the, I guess it, it, it just spreads the word that we have a past. Yeah. And as much as some people want to change the past, they can't. Um, but, we, but we can learn from it. But we can absolutely learn from absolutely, it. Absolutely. Absolutely learn from it. We could particularly uh, in today's world, you know, climate change is a, a serious issue that we're all facing. And part of our work, bizarrely, through um, green energy, through wind farms, enables us to explore what the past looked like and to see the effects of climate change and man's impact on nature. I'm sure my colleague Ed, who will be around later, will be able to say more about that. Hmm. Well, thanks for that, uh, Sam. What I'll do is I'll, I'll drop you down now and we'll bring Lo back in because <laughs> she's she's back on she's back online and hopefully her, her internet's kind of stabilised. So we'll get you back in shortly. Thank so, you very much. No, thank you. And come back in, Lo. I hope so. Way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm in a dodgy Airbnb, but um, I'm here. I'm here. I guess that's because you're away working. I am away working. I'm at New Scientist Live in London this weekend. So I get to showcase Ooh. a little bit about what I do and, yeah, how it relates to sci science. And as Sam just said, um, green energy, so renewable energy, because um, that's a part of what I do. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, Tell us a little bit about what you actually do. Okay. So I'm a bit of a weird Yours one. Yours is I'm particularly, a, particularly yeah. interesting. Yes. Yeah. I'm a marine archaeologist, so I'm a little bit different. So a lot of what I deal with is obviously under the sea or um, kind of in a wet environment. So we can excavate just like they do on land. So all the digs that you see in fields, we also do that. Um, but ours kind of is in that bit between the land and the sea. So it's what we call the intertidal zone. Um, you may have seen it on the cover of this podcast, me in knee deep in mud excavating a wreck. Um, that mud is really difficult to work in because it's very thick. We've got a short tidal window where we have to excavate. Um, but actually, it's really great for archaeology because what it does is it preserves a lot of things, especially organic material. Um, Sam mentioned Ed that's going to come on. He'll talk about that as well. But it preserves environmental evidence. It preserves things like wood, um, organic materials like leather and rope, things that we wouldn't normally see surviving, especially on the seabed. Um, so it's a really great place to work in, even though it's messy and it stinks. Um, it's one of those love-hate relationships. So we do intertidal excavation. Um, we, of course, dive. So I'm an HSC diver. Um, ju that just means I can dive legally for work. So we dive on wrecks, on cannon sites, 
Um, we don't tend to excavate them. We tend to just survey them, make sure they're okay, um, because that marine environment is really harsh on things like wrecks. Not just shipwrecks, we deal with aircraft wrecks. We've got um, sites where the wrecks have actually disintegrated. So all you've got left are things like cannons or ingots or things that give us a clue um, into what that wreck maybe was carrying or its age. Um, and of course, we work with all sorts of different industries. So you've got the offshore wind industry, tidal wave energy industry. We work a lot with those guys to make sure that whatever is on the seabed is preserved. So if there are wrecks in an area where they want to build a wind farm, they can send us a map. They can say, this is where we want the turbines. I can look at that map and I can look at the data we have for that seabed area and make sure they're not cutting into any wrecks. We don't want them to damage any of the archaeology on the seabed. So I'm very annoying to those wind farm people because I send them a map back saying, yes, you can have these. No, you can't have these. They have to move and they will move them accordingly. So we do actually get a huge input in our sustainable energy um, industry because they will work with us in order to preserve what's on the seabed. Um, they want the seabed because it's a lot less hassle than building it on land. So they do have to work with us, which is really nice. And we work a lot around the UK with those. Um, a large part of what I do as well is I work with the dredging industry. So dredging is when they essentially suck up material from the seabed, either for the aggregate industry or for large infrastructure projects like Portsmouth Harbour that Tim, I know you know very well, we were talking about that in Portsmouth um, History Week a few weeks ago. So it's when they need to deepen a berth or a harbour to allow for the bigger ships to come in. Obviously in this case, they were the Queen Elizabeth class um, aircraft carriers and we were the retained archeologists on that, which means we observed the dredging, we observed any finds that come up during that dredging. And there was a lot of them. There were thousands of them. There were cannons. Um, cannonballs, bottles, hundreds of them, plates, cups, bowls, a skull, you name it, we had it all. Um, so we do a lot of that sort of stuff as well, which obviously means we work offshore on the boats. Um, and in order to do that, we have to keep up with things like safety certificates. We all have to have um, sea survival training, Bosiac courses that we know how to get out of an airplane or anything like that. Um, sorry, out of a helicopter things like that and we all have to keep on top of our dive medicals so we have to be physically fit in order to do our work um but it's a great challenge to keep up with mm. so hang on need to come back in <laughs> what's going on um just keep yourself physically fit how do you go about doing that uh, well, personally, I like going to the gym, so I'm actually quite lucky. Um, but we have to have a medical, so an HSE grade dive medical once a year. Um, it just means that they make sure that I'm okay to go on a boat somewhere and that I'm not going to keel over uh, and be a responsibility for someone. So, yeah, I just keep on top of it by going to the gym, going on walks. You know, if you ever want to come with me, Tim, you're more than welcome. <laughs> my, my walking days are over. Well, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of take the dog out occasionally, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, underneath this gorgeous exterior. There's a bit of a train wreck going on, and uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're doing our best to to keep it going. But um, I mean, going too far is uh, a bit of a no-no for me. Um, but I do try and keep myself a little bit fit. I've got got a, a, a recline a cycle that I I, I work out on. Uh, just in the uh, in the studio here, <laughs> so yeah, I'll try and keep myself fit. 
So from your perspective then, so you you were helping out at, um, at Portsmouth for mm-hmm. the History Week. Yep. And, uh, and and you had your pop-up there and it was a great week. I mean, lots of um, lots of interest, lots of people yep. coming through. Um, how often do you manage to, to do that um, when you're not working or, or is it all part of work? Um, how often do you get called out to, to sites where you've got to do a survey, for instance? Uh, so I'm I'm quite lucky. I'm a bit of a hybrid. So even though I am a marine archaeologist by trade and that's my full time job, I do work a lot with the community engagement team, which I absolutely love because to me, going out and speaking to these people actually gives a purpose to what I do. Um, I obviously love writing reports and researching things, but sometimes, you know, everyday kind of work gets monotonous. I think that's the same for all of us. Um, but actually going out and seeing, you know, people interacting with some of the finds that we've discovered over the years and talking about my job and people, especially young people's reaction being, wow, that's really cool. That actually gives, you know, a purpose to what I do. And it's actually a real joy to go out and spread that love and see people's excitement. Um, I think everyone relates to archaeology in some way. Um, everyone's seen Time Team or everyone's seen a dig in a field or people love their local history. And again, that's why when we do go out to these events, we do try and target it to be quite local. So any finds, obviously with Portsmouth, that was great because we had all the Portsmouth dredge finds. Um, so we were able to bring those along and people relate to that because we can say it's literally just out there. You know, they were dredged from the harbour um, and people get to handle this material um that's another thing i love about the community engagement team it's not just finds in boxes like you see on tv that you can't touch or that you have to touch with gloves we're bringing stuff out that people can actually handle and get a feel on especially cannonballs everyone wants to pick up a cannonball and say they've touched one um and say that it's been fired from a pirate ship i'm happy to let the word pirate go in that instance that's the only time i'll have it um <laughs> but it's it's really nice to bring out those things and actually let people get a feel for it um, so yeah, I'd say I'm I'm kind of half and half. I'm a bit of a hybrid. Obviously, client work does take um, precedence for me. So, like Sam said, we are a commercial archaeology unit. So my job is client based. So if we're requested to write a report for a client, obviously that takes precedence because I'm you know earning money for the company. Um, but I do get to go out a lot of the time. I'm out. This week, um, I'm also out next weekend at Liverpool Museum as well. Um, so yeah, I, I get to do a nice mixture of both. Mm. And I guess that that, <laughs> that that working weekends as well. Does do, do you get time off in lieu, or is that um, yeah, yeah? That's, that's that's the Billy bonus. And Sam, thing, Sam always makes sure I take it, so I'm I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, We'll drop you down and then uh, in a minute we'll bring on Ed. Okay. So, thanks, Lo. But before before I bring on Ed, just want to say a few hellos. Good evening, Nick. Uh, I saw James there earlier. Um, if you've not clicked the like button yet, feel free to do it. If you're first time here, you've not uh, you've not been on the channel before. Click the old subscribe button, the bell button. Get notified when you do turn up. Um, just a quick shout out for what we've got coming up uh, in the next few weeks, uh, if I can find it. So today is obviously the archaeological special. Next week, 
still, I'm still waiting for confirmation, but um, it involves animals, hopefully. Um, the following week, if if we get the animals in, we'll do a follow-up the following week, which will be um, to do with PTSD. That'll be the special then. Um, back end of October, still uh, another project that I'm working on, hopefully get some some fascinating people in to have a chat. And then the 3rd of November, we've got uh, we've got a big big one coming. We've got a couple of um, pilots from, uh, fighter pilots from America. One's a, a naval aviator uh, uh, and a Top Gun instructor. The other one's from the US Air Force, who is like his counterpart. Uh, he's also uh, a Top Gun instructor. So they're coming on, which should be great. And if you'd like to support the channel at all, you can always buy us a coffee. <laughs> we don't mind you buying us a coffee. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.